Think Humanities, a podcast for people who love history, philosophy, culture, literature, civic dialogue, and the arts. Think Humanities, from Kentucky Humanities, where we've been telling Kentucky stories for 45 years. Here is your host, Bill Goodman. The Kentucky Book Fair is right around the corner, November 17th and 18th at the Alltech Arena at the Kentucky Horse Park. November 17th is Kids Day. Young people from all over the state of Kentucky get to rub elbows with over 35 authors who write for young people. Uh, Just uh, learning first readers, I guess I would say, uh, young readers, uh, middle grade, young adult. And on Saturday, over 180 authors will be available to a general audience, again, including children and young adult readers. Two of those authors join me today. George Ella Lyon is one of the most prolific writers in the state of Kentucky, former poet laureate, a writer, poet, lyricist, uh, who has been at the book fair many times. And joining us today on the podcast is Sean Pryor, writer, creator of the all-ages graphic novel series Cash and Carry, and writer of the definitive field guide to the monsters of the bluegrass state Kentucky, is that pronounced Kaiju? Uh, Kaiju. Kaiju. Kentucky Kaiju. Sean, we'll get you to help me with that pronunciation as we begin. So welcome to you both. Uh, George Ella, um, how many book fairs have you attended or as an author and as a, uh, an attendee? Gosh, I think the first time I went was uh, 1985 or 86. So I've been there almost every year. There may have been a couple when I was elsewhere but were you there have you always been there as an author yes and just for people and there are people uh, out there who have never attended a Kentucky book fair I run into them all the time quite frankly and it gives me an opportunity to to say one you've missed one of the best days of the entire year in the state of Kentucky and, and two that Kentucky Humanities now manages the book fair and we're uh, growing it, uh, we have a, a wonderful new venue uh, at the uh, Alltech Arena that we're all excited to be in. Uh, it's much more uh, spacious, and uh, but it's all about writing. It's all about authors, and um, I want you to talk to me, uh, Georgella, a l- little bit about um, your experiences there, the people that that you meet, um, the young people that you interact with, and how important that is uh, for all of us. Well, um, as the years have gone by and I have begun to work in schools as well as libraries, uh, I often see teachers and students I've worked with before who show up at the book fair. And so there's a, there's a certain reunion quality about it, both in terms of those people attending and in terms of the writers who are there, because we see each other, some of us only see each other once, maybe once a year. Um, and uh, it's always a rich day of conversation and uh, Christmas shopping. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I love to get autographed books for gifts as well. Um, And it's a great day for writers and readers to connect with each other. And it's, it helps me as a writer to know that my books matter to somebody. And I've even had, because I've been there so long, I've even had people buy a book 
for their children when they had one of my books as a kid. <laughs> so that is the harvest of maturity, and uh, and I'm very very happy for it. You have been a part of um, the literary environment in Kentucky for many years. I've had people from outside of Kentucky uh, say to me, when I've uh, asked or traveled and they have questioned uh, our uh, rich literary history in in Kentucky, um, they've talked to me about that. And I've sort of turned the conversation around and said, well, don't you have that in in Minnesota, or don't you have that in Iowa? Uh, of course, the Iowa Writers Workshop. But uh, do you not have that in Arizona? Or and they say, no, no, we don't. We don't have the same devotion to writing and writers uh, that seem to be so prevalent in Kentucky. Do, do you agree with that? Um, what What I notice is that there's a real community of writers in Kentucky, and that uh, is is nourished by um, the readers, but it also nourishes the writers. And I have had, uh, I had a friend who moved to this area from New Jersey, and she was amazed that she was just welcomed as a writer. She didn't have to prove something. She just said, I'm a poet, and she was, a, you know, people were receptive. And I think that that uh, inclusivity is a really important characteristic of our uh, of our literary circle, the sense that it's not a competition but a festival. And um, and I found when I was poet laureate and traveled the state uh, a good bit, I found the the welcome and the local arts councils who were doing so much to connect writers and readers of all ages, and that's a big part of it too. That, uh, and I think as Kentuckians, maybe we have more of a collective identity than say, well, I hate to pick out some place because I'm not from New Jersey, but I know someone who bought a Kentucky Christmas said she was from New Jersey and she couldn't imagine a book called A New Jersey Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know, you know, I don't have the definition on this, but I do think there's a there's a particular sense of identity, even within our diversity, which is also impressive. Uh, when you were Port Laureate in 2015 uh, and 2016, and by the way, uh, to listeners, uh, you, you both of you have um, uh, really nice websites and, and, and home pages, and, and it tells you so much about the work and, and what you post there. And George Ellis, uh, you, you said um, that you wanted to collect a Where I'm From poem from every county in Kentucky and uh, a poetry of place, and, and that was your um, direction as Port Laureate. And, and I'm not sure I've heard you. I hope I haven't asked you this in, in some of our other interviews. Did, did you accomplish that? Well, uh, not exactly, but we accomplished something more than that. Uh, we, we didn't want just one poem from each county. We wanted as many poems as we could get, but we hoped for at least one. We got poems from 83 of the 120 counties but we got 731 poems. Oh, goodness. And you can go on the Arts Council website, click on a county, 
and the poems come up. And some of them are videos, some of dancing. I mean, uh, and there are people of all ages. Uh, some of them are collective poems. And I'm now involved in a, in a national I Am From project, which uh, uh, through which we hope to articulate give a different articulation of who we are as a people uh, than the uh, ideology that is uh, tweeting at, uh -huh. the, at the moment. Yes, right. Um, Sean, you are our creator and, uh, and co-writer of the all-ages graphic novel mystery series Cash and Carrie, and, and that uh, Carrie is... Uh, is spelled C A R R I E yes. uh, as the, the uh, not not with a Y. Um, we mentioned your other work. Uh, also, writer and co-creator of the football drama series Force, uh, co-founder of the Action Lab Entertainment, and you're currently president of Creative uh, Relations. And believe it or not, he says here on his website in his free time. <laughs> Uh, he enjoys reading, cooking, listening to streaming music uh, playlists, and, and talking about uh, why Zack from the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers is the greatest black superhero of all time. It's, <laughs> it's so good to meet you and have you on the podcast. Will this be your first Kentucky Book Fair? Yes, it will. And you're going to be there with, with what work? And tell us a little bit about your genre. Um, I will be there with copies of Cash and Carry, uh, Book One, Sleuth 101. Um, it is a all-ages uh, graphic novel, mystery graphic novel series uh, featuring Dallas Cash and Inez Carey. They're middle schoolers, they're best friends, and they solve mysteries together. Um, there are multiple stories in the book. Um, I wanted to um, make Cash and Carey for the simple fact that I've been in and out of the actual comic book publishing business for a decade. And the one thing I noticed over the years is that there is a lack of uh, inclusion. Um, there's a lack of inclusion, and especially for creators of color, and especially for readers of you know readers of color, young black kids and young kids of color. And the one thing I wanted to do when I got back into the publishing game two years ago was create a book that um, young black kids could see themselves in, uh, or young Latinas uh, could see themselves in, and also other people could see themselves in. And that's how Cash and Carry came to be. Um, the other book that I'll, that I'll have at the Kentucky Book Fair is Kentucky Kaiju. That book um, is a Kentucky product through and through. Um, it is the definitive guide to the monsters of the bluegrass state. Uh, 50 double-page spreads are really awesome monsters that may or may not have <laughs> roamed the state of Kentucky over the decades, drawn by Tracina Bowling and Justin Stewart, and I wrote the biographies for all the monsters. And it, we, we, all, we all reside in Kentucky, and it was published by Apex Book Company, which also resides in Kentucky as well. You have so um, much uh, that I need to talk with you about, uh, <laughs> and, and I'm going to try to remember it all uh, and get all of that in there. First of all, your interest in writing and how long you've been writing and, and where you're, uh, as they say in Kentucky, where you're from. Uh, mm -hmm. What what county did you uh, grow up in, or where are you a Kentucky native? Um, I'm, I'm not a Kentucky native. I've been here for almost a decade. I've been I've resided in Lexington for almost a decade. I am an Air Force brat. Mm -hmm. Uh, born in the South. I was born in Georgia, um, transplanted to the Midwest. Um, my father was in the Air Force. We got transplanted to the Midwest. I grew up in the Midwest, and uh, job opportunities brought me down here um, in 2007. 
Um, I always had an affinity for writing as a child. I um, I read a lot of books. Um, it all started with comics, whether it be from the newspaper or um, at the age of four, um, I had a stack of um, these Disney Disney hardcover books um, about for like every cartoon or movie that they ever made. And my mom told me if 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 I if she if I could tell her what happened in each book and basically give a verbal book report, we could go to a convenience store and I could get any comic book I wanted. <laughs> and so that's a challenge. I love challenges. I still do. I still do yeah. to this day, and um, and so I was able to read, you know, from picture books to comic books to then, um, growing up in in like in moving up a couple of grades in school in, uh, in one year, going to the library every week to find a book, whether it be Mouse and the Motorcycle, Hardy Boys, Nancy Drew, Hardy Boys and Nancy Drew are also a major influence in cash in uh, in cash and carry as well. So um, so being able to move around and like learn. Sorry, lost train of thought. Being able to move around and also uh, my parents also having a very strong focus in reading and education mm -hmm. was a really big deal for me. And that is what I'm trying to do now with the books I make now and I collaborate with now. Um, because there's always been the stigma with comics that comics aren't a form of literature. They are a form of literature. And as a matter of fact, they can be a wonderful gateway to reading. And that's what I found with Cash and Carry, especially for like five-year-olds, six-year-olds, you know, five, five through 12, you know, a lot of kids that don't enjoy reading novels, if you give them a graphic novel and get them started there, they start to consume more and more of it, whether it be through a print copy or on, a, or on an iPad digitally um, or any type of like handheld device, you get them started that way. And then, yes, it can move from just graphic novels and comic books and picture books to YA novels and to, you know, other types of other types of um, novellas as well. And so it's the start. It's the start. What's and the I, difference between a comic book and a graphic novel? They're one and the same. Uh, they're one and the same. The only difference is, is this. A graphic novel, you are more than likely getting a self-contained story or a set or mm -hmm. batch of stories mm -hmm. in one book, whereas a comic book is a single issue that um, can only be attained via a comic book store or like a digital outlet such as Comixology or a, or a couple other digital outlets but it's a single issue um, between 24 to 32 pages and that's it and like there could be multiple multiple issues and then those are collected as a trade which then could be could be also be called a graphic novel but that leads to this down this road of the direct market comic system and that is very messy mm, okay <laughs> we won't go there then yes. unless you want to take us there but um Am I mistaken in learning or or hearing that uh, graphic novels today are the leading um, seller, uh, the most popular genre uh, for for young people? They are extremely popular. Um, if you look at um, books uh, published by Raina Telgemeier, or um, oh, there's a book. There's also a book series called Amulet, and I forget the gentleman's name who does that graphic novel series that is massively popular. I think it's on eight volumes on already in the span of a few years, and it's amazing. Um, there is a gentleman by the name of Keen Sue who does this wonderful graphic novel series for kids. Um, it's called March Grand Prix, and it's just a bunch of anthropomorphic characters, and it's a it's bunny rabbit who wants to race in all these different Grand Prix's. And, but it's also a book about family. It's a book about learning lessons. It's a book about responsibility. And there's just a set, and there's just like, I think there's three books all together and they collected it into, into one book. And it's amazing. I pass that on to like any four-year-old, five-year-old, six-year-old. I'm like, read this, they'll love it. <sighs> and, um, 
and I have, and like not only has it gotten them interested in reading, but it also has them interested in things like, you know, racing and and like, you know, taking responsibilities and how, you know, how to grow a garden, like all these other things that like one could never think could actually happen just from reading a graphic novel or a comic book. And I find that to be amazing. When you are signing or releasing um, and you're exposed to young people and, and, and you're interacting with them, what do they tell you about about your uh, characters or, or just about reading in general and about what, what interests them? What, what sort of dialogue do you have with them? Um, a lot of the dialogue I get from like the youth as far as like creating creating books, they ask me, okay, how do you write this? How, you know, how do you work with an artist to make a comic? And I try to explain the process in the most layman, term, layman terms possible. And I also explain to them when it comes to making comics, there is more, there's, there's more than one way to make one. More than one, more than one way to make one. You have some that can write them and draw them. You have some that just write them and find an artist. You have some that collaborate intricately together to make sure that the story is what both people wanted. There is no, there's no one way to do this. And that's one thing I want to tell kids because kids can be easily stopped from doing something, especially something creative. And one, and I try to tell children, you know, don't be scared. It's okay. Hop in have a blast with it. If you make a mistake, guess what? It's all right. It's all right. You can fix it. You might even learn something from that mistake you made. And how do we know if it's actually a mistake? So that's, I just try to tell kids to enjoy the process, have fun with the process, and don't worry. Don't worry about what it looks like, but have fun with it. And as you get older, you know, it becomes much easier for you. I I was at Arlington Elementary this morning. I just wanted to uh, play off what Sean said. I was telling the kids there about a sign I saw at a school in Louisville that said, "Be flexible, make mm-hmm. great mistakes. Yeah. Life <laughs> is movement." Yes, and that's what I want to teach as well because uh, our mistakes are part of our creativity and mm-hmm. part of the path. And if you don't feel free and are, don't feel flexible, then how can you learn? Right. Exactly. You're stuck. Uh, George Ella, you, you, you're there with, um, do, do we at uh, Kentucky Humanities uh, 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 sponsoring the Kentucky Book Fair, do we have to have four or five tables for you, or do you just get one table? <laughs> no, I just get one table. And, and what's going to be on that one table? Um, I don't have a new book this year, unfortunately, but uh, I'll have uh, a book of poems, Many Storied House. I'll have uh, Boats Float and Trains. Uh, no, trains won't be there yet. I'll have trucks roll and oh. planes fly. And uh, I'll have uh, Kentucky Christmas. And uh, I'm sure those will be there. And maybe also uh, Here and Then, which is a middle grade time travel Civil War novel. What do young people talk about uh, talk about with you? Oh, gosh. Um I was at a middle school on Thursday, and they read me their Where I'm From poems. Uh-huh. And, uh, and we talked about identity, and we talked about people missing in your family, and we talked about moving, you know, kids who are from lots of different places. Mm-hmm. As you were saying, Sean, yes. about your background, as opposed to people who have roots like trees, you know, and what that's like. And... Uh, and they want to talk about um, how a book is published. Today I showed kids 
a press sheet and a color separation and mm. uh, sketches because I worked with an artist who lived here and she gave me copies of her sketches and to see the process and to see that uh, you don't just do it one time. Right. You develop it and then you you let go of what's not working, but that's not a failure. That's just getting you to the next step. Sean, are you uh, speaking to young people other than just at signings or book fairs and that sort of thing? Did, are, are you in the classroom some? Um, I That is something that I am going to get into later this year. I actually, um, in uh, Northern Kentucky, um, I've been invited to a school in Northern Kentucky and we're trying to set up times and dates yeah. to start talking to kids about, you know, about comics and how to make comics and yeah. things of that nature. So I'm extremely excited about that. Yeah. Uh, very, very excited about it. I am... Um, like comics and graphic novels and writing, that's that's a passion for me, and I want to be able to spread that joy to the youth. You know, I just uh, for for me, it's just always been a thing of it's okay to go for something. It's okay to give it a try. It's like I said, it's okay. There's nothing wrong with it. Don't be scared. And if you are scared, turn that fear into a fuel that you can use for motivation to reach that goal. Um, because for me, like I said, with, with Cash and Carry, once again, it's a perfect example. That book is probably 10 years in the making, mm. in, in, in all sincerity. Um, when I first started making comics, just learning it, and I learned it the hard way. I learned it the hard way on my own, and then I met friends who had been doing it for years, and then they gave me, they gave me, they showed me the ropes on certain, on certain things to make things easier for me. Um, but when I would pitch books to publishers, and I would pitch them things like something along the lines of a Cash and Carry, they would tell me, "Okay, this is too kiddie. Um, you know, no one wants you know, no one wants kids comics. Um, you know, you know, like I don't see like an, a certain ratio of a certain type of people." And basically, I was told the book the book has too many people of color. is too it has too much representation. Um, you know, no one wants kids books, and and it was very disheartening for me. So like, I just put it away, and like I made other stuff, and I got and I got through it, and then in 2015. Um, I did a Kickstarter just for a single issue. It was kind of like a pilot book. It was like a pilot book. It's like about 20-something pages for Cash and Carry, and I wanted to raise $3,000 just to print copies, just to see what kind of reaction it would get. Um, and it ended up, um, we ended up raising over, or crowdfunding over $9,000 oh, just, just, just for a single wow. issue. Yeah. Ended up shipping out, if I'm not mistaken, like over like 500 to 800 issues of, of Cash and Carry, which was great. And I sold them at comic conventions and things of that nature. And I knew then and there, there was a purpose for it. And then the process, we started the process of, um, I started the process of talking with artists, talking with um, co-writer and co-creator Julie Speziani on Let's Tell More Stories. And uh, I talked with other creators and like other artists as well for other stories. And I said, let's make a whole book and let's just put this out so everybody can get it at once. And um, but the like, but for me, it was a big lesson in learning that sometimes when people tell you one thing, there's one thing for somebody to professionally give you a critique. But it's another thing, you know, to take those words and listen to them. But it's another thing to not let people dishearten or like try to take your joy away from you when you know you honestly and sincerely have something that is needed. Because representation matters. And I think that's a thing in publishing right now that, that publishing is really struggling with right now is representation and the understanding of um, you know, the need for different voices. It can't just be one certain kind of voice or one certain kind of voice also representing for other people of color right. all the time. Sure. And there's a really big fight, especially in YA. There's a massive fight going on right now. 
um, but like um, I just I just want help. Somebody uh, in YA is is limiting the voice. Not that it's limiting the voice. It's just that the business has always been a certain way. The business okay. is, the, the business sure. has always been a certain way, and now. You know, you have writers of color and, you know, you have writers of color coming in to say, can't we mix this up a bit? Because, you know, and they've, and you'll see writers of color say, I've been told by editors and agents that, you know, this book, you know, it can't sell. It won't move, um, which isn't true, which yeah. isn't true. And that's why, like, a lot of creators start to self-publish and then they build their own base. They become popular. And then then those same publishers come back and say, oh, we, you know, you're really popular and like you sold this, but with us, we can sell even more. And some say, OK, that's fine. And others just say, no, thank you. You weren't there before. And so you don't need to be here now. One of our uh, humanities uh, scholars uh, that we work with on primetime family reading time, uh, Gwen Henderson, um, uh, recently uh, penned uh, a piece uh, entitled Finding the Humanities in Children's Literature, and it really sort of speaks to what, what you've uh, both said, but Sean, maybe a little bit more directly. Um, and, and what she found is that it's, it's not just the story, and she was learning this uh, as a scholar. She just came to this uh, within the last few years uh, working as a primetime family reading time scholar, uh, that uh, humanities themes uh, in the book are, are important, not necessarily the story. It's what, uh, and she wrote this, uh, one day it dawned on me that I had crossed over and hadn't even realized it. I had learned to see the book's deeper humanities fabric, not the message exactly, that implies a preachiness and overt, an overt axe to grind, the theme, in some cases, multiple timeless humanities themes. Greed, fairness, courage, cleverness, ingenuity, determination, dreams, and loyalty. I think that resonates with a, an, an older adult, uh, that those are the things that you now want young people to take away from reading, and you do it in your own inimitable uh, way in, in a fashion that draws in that young reader. These are the important things from life, aren't they, Georgiella? And that's what I go to reading for, too. I mean, I go to books myself as a reader for courage and uh, centering, for seeing what really matters, for wrestling with what really matters, and for celebrating, um, because there's a great joy in creating yes. and a great joy in responding to other people's creations and finding that you're not alone. Uh, I wanted to mention uh, a book that won many awards this year, which is a graphic novel by John Lewis, Congressman John Lewis, oh. called March 3. It's book three of yes. about the Selma March. It is so powerful. Now, I can't remember who the collaborator is. There, there are, I think if I'm not mistaken, there, there, are, three. there are a couple, there are a couple yeah. of collaborators on March. But yes, those yeah. are amazing. And yeah. they are just fabulous and it's certainly a way to teach us about our history and it in a really exciting and accessible way uh, and I'm also thinking of Rita Williams Garcia's books uh, uh, PS 11 one crazy summer is the first one uh -huh. but that deals with uh, uh, the pressure on these three little black girls who are crossing the country and winding up in a, a breakfast program sponsored by the Black Panthers. 
and you see a whole different side of that movement and what it gave them. It, so it just, I mean, it opens my eyes yeah. to, to read. Uh, yeah. I, I think, you know, I think books, the best books for kids are good for anybody. Sure. Yeah, uh, so. yeah and, and Sean, you, you would, you're trying to do that same thing with these themes, but, and, and, and gosh, more power to you. You are doing it uh, with diversity, too. When, when these themes might have been included in a, in a book uh, 25 or 50 years ago, it wasn't from uh, a minority viewpoint necessarily, or at least it wasn't popular to do that at that time, was it? Um, yes, um, especially in comics, because uh, normally in comics, comics were written by white males. And, and still to this day, the comics, com- the comic book business is still heavily edited, written by white males. And we're, start- we're starting to see more of an impact of, um, you know, black creators and creators of color trying to stake their claim. And a lot of them are doing it independently and finding their own roads, which is great. Um, with Cash and Carry, the one thing with that book I wanted to do, I wanted to make a book that was not only inclusive on the page, but also inclusive behind the scenes. And so you have like a number of create, uh, creators of color um, in that book as far as artists like Marcus Kwame Anderson. Um, and then also um, a number of women um, doing, doing art chores on the book such as um, uh, Megan Daunt and um, also uh, Ginger D, Tracina Bowling. Um, also my, my co-creator uh, is Julie Speziani and she's a, fanta- she's a fantastic writer. And the one thing we were able to do together, we wanted to make sure that we had the proper voice for middle schoolers. Mm-hmm. Cause a lot of times when you read um, books, um, whether it be comics, graphic novels or whatever, that are youthful characters, they sound like 25, 30 and 40 year olds. Mm-hmm. And, and like, kids don't sound like that. Mm-hmm. Um, as someone who still to this day watches a number of cartoons, you know, I can pick up right away. I'm like, no, no, no. This, this, there's the voice is not there. The tone is not there. Let us do this together and let's make it right. And um, and with this book, I wanted to. And for every cash and carry book um, that will ever be made, I I'm going. I will stick to. Not only is it inclusive on the page, but behind the scenes, because otherwise, I'm not being true to the book. I'm not being true to myself, and I'm not being true to those who want to pick it up. Sean Pryor uh, and uh, George Ella Lyon will be at the Kentucky Book Fair on November 17th and 18th. Um, I I want to encourage everyone to come out to the Kentucky Horse Park at the Alltech Arena uh, to meet them and to hear more um, about uh, what they're writing. Um, If there's one fault that we have uh, at the Kentucky Book Fair is that uh, with so many uh, great uh, writers there, people that are attending uh, can't spend uh, more than... 10 or 15 minutes with each or you'd be there it, it would be an all day and an all night affair but I know you enjoy meeting the public and um, I want to encourage everyone to come out uh, from 9 to 4 the kids days on Friday uh, that's where um, uh, the public is is uh, it's not that they're not allowed they're just not there because they're over 1700 I don't know if you know this or not over 1,700 uh, young people from all across the state of Kentucky will be there, mm-hmm. all ages, from elementary all the way up through junior and senior high school. And then on um, on Saturday, it's going to be a, a, a big day. So thank you both for joining me on Think Humanities. Thank you. Think Humanities is a podcast from Kentucky Humanities and is a production of the University of Kentucky College of Arts and Sciences. 
This podcast was created at the Media Depot. Think Humanities is available at kyhumanities.org, iTunes, and SoundCloud.